electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Bring in show music, please. Hi, I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on Squawk Pod. Holiday travels begin. Who's delayed and who's canceled? With CNBC's Phil LeBeau on the ground at the Denver airport. You will see more than 17 million people flying here in the United States. The most since before the pandemic for a one-week stretch. And this Pride Month, GLAAD CEO Sarah Kate Ellis joins us on Companies as Allies. I do try and educate CEOs because they're taking the bait that it's political to be LGBTQ in America when it's really not. Plus, defining Bidenomics, the health of America's banks and a Yankees perfect game. I did get a little teary. It's, it's the greatest thing to see. It's Thursday, June 29th. Squawk Pod begins right now. Good morning and welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC, live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Melissa Lee alongside Joe Kernan. Becky and Andrew are off today. Let's take a look at what? Just a grimace. Like a, no, it's not a grimace. It's like sunshine. It's like sunshine is streaming in to the studio. It's just everybody's happy. So not Mac is happy. Everybody's happy. I'm happy to be here. You're here tomorrow, too, are you and not? And Monday. It's oh, just, I didn't know about Monday. It's like the best three days of my life. Facetious again. Well, that, the, that six, was definitely 34 facetious. seconds into the show. Uh, no, you, you started it. You're with semi. A, you're semi serious, and I'm semi serious. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to, to see be, you. I'm, I'm happy, to, happy see to see you. I love I'm doing the show with you, and we better get going. We're going to get to all these important things, but as we were talking, we're going to talk about the perfect game, and you're going to be finding out about all these things at the same time as viewers, which is good. You're going to have the same excitement and, and newness oh, of, uh, and, and, and of hearing about it about when it. we do talk about it, because there haven't been many in the modern era. And if you watch any of the, uh, the, the tapes from yesterday as it got closer and closer, I actually got watching it on the way, and I got, with the final play, I did get a little, I don't know, my neck and a little teary. It's, it's the greatest thing to see, to face 27 batters and to retire every one of them. And this is the Yankees, you know, which... It's the only bad thing about, about no, that's fine. It's good, but um, amazing, amazing, amazing. 99 Point pitches, 99 pitches, uh, 72 strikes, Wow. nine strikeouts, great defensive plays by the rest of the team, and they scored some runs for them, 11 to nothing. So it's just very cool. And Oakland, people say, well, it's Oakland. Well, every major team, every team in the major leagues is great. They are, and they're great hitters, and it's just a feat. It's a true feat. Fourth uh, time it's happened for a Yankee. For the bad news, flight disruptions uh, at American airports. Nearly uh, 1,200 flights were canceled in the U.S. just yesterday. About 7,000 flights were delayed. It's horrible sitting around. In a, well, it could be worse, obviously. It's a one percenter problem, sort of. United Airlines canceled uh, the most flights among U.S. airlines for the fifth straight day. The airline said it was on track to restore operations for the holiday weekend after several straight days of thunderstorms, which we... Uh, we're well aware of near its Newark, New Jersey hub. Meantime, a runway was closed for about 10 hours yesterday at the Charlotte Airport in North Carolina. 
after a Delta Airlines flight was forced to land without its nose gear due to a malfunction. All 104 people on board were safely removed uh, from the plane and taken by bus to the terminal. Passenger, though, described the landing to NBC News as absolutely perfect and praised the crew. They are great, these guys and gals. We're going to talk more about the flight delays with former acting FAA chief Billy Nolan. President Biden addressed his economic record in a speech in Chicago yesterday. He outlined his platform for the U.S. economy as the 2024 presidential election approaches. Bidenomics is about building an economy from the middle out and the bottom up, not the top down. And there are three fundamental changes that we decided to make with the help of the Congress and been able to do it. First, making smart investments in America. Second, educating and empowering American workers to grow the middle class. And third, promoting competition to lower costs to help small businesses. The president criticized the economic policies of his predecessor, former President Trump. Folks, let me say it as clearly as I can. The trickle-down approach failed the middle class. It failed America. It blew up the deficit. It increased inequity and it weakened the, our infrastructure. It stripped the dignity, pride, and hope out of communities one after another. This will be interesting to see if this is uh, able to turn around the, the perception of the uh, American public. 33, 33%, 33% approval on, on handling uh, of the economy. We've had uh, a series of guests on this week, um, rolling this out, Jared Bernstein, Heather Boucher, and they're trying hard and they need to do it. it the, supposedly people base their vote on the kind of economy that you have in, the, right. in May and June of the election year. So he's got 10 or 11 months to try and turn around, but the numbers are, are way underwater right now. Just in, in terms of uh, something I thought just did occur to me, he said uh, that Bidenomics is the opposite of Reaganomics. And I would have to say, you know what? I agree with that. I do. I agree with that 100%. In terms of your belief that Reaganomics worked, and Biden is not the, going to, yeah. ushered in the greatest period of prosperity. prosperity. Yes. Low taxes, low regulation, private sector growth, stock market gripping. I mean, we do have low unemployment. The same unemployment that sure. we had at the end of the Trump administration, basically. We had the pandemic, and then all 13 million jobs came back. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Except, here's, here's what I think. When you... I think that policies that just redistribute end up not working well so that the Fed stays at zero because the policies are so bad. And then everybody who owns assets benefits. No. At, at, oh, at zero. Yeah, yeah. when we're at yeah. zero. Mm -hmm. So the income inequality is going to go up. Trickle down is a, is a dumb word. The only choice we have is to grow the pie. Splitting up a smaller pie more equally and, and actually, President Obama, that was, he actually said, I, there's nothing I can do about the pie itself. I'm just going to make sure it's more equitable the way that it's split up. I think that's wrong. I, I think it's right for us to take a look at whether or not we think this is going to work. Um, but at the same time, but, but, but the bigger question is, is this going to work in terms of changing Americans' minds for the election? I mean, it, the economy is what it's all about when, when people go to the polls. And if they think that Biden's policies won't work, but if, if these are sound bites, and they are convincing enough, that might actually be enough to get them People know how they feel, and that's what, that was the point we made to Jared Bernstein and Heather Boucher. Yeah. You, can, you can keep telling people they're doing great and things are great until right. you're blue in the face. But right. if they go and they see that they're, 
paycheck is getting it, it was that's, 24 that's the problem. right 24 Inflation straight months 24 term. straight months of lower real wages 24 right. straight months and then finally in May and June it went up and and okay there was uh, the, the Putin price hike, whatever, but gas prices were already going up before. We were much higher before Putin invaded Ukraine. Whether it was the pandemic reopening, but and taking credit for uh, bringing back the jobs after the pandemic, the in the last six months of 2020, we averaged 800,000 payrolls every period. It was happening. It was already happening. Then you threw 1.9 trillion on top of that. And then their goods were scarce, and, and everything costs more sure. per dollar. So the Inflation Reduction Act, right, which was signed right after we saw peak inflation. Jared, so. the other day, Jared called it the Investment Reduction Act as a Freudian slip. In fact, if you look at the Investment Reduction Act, the subsidies to private businesses investing in climate, investing in resilient supply chains, investing in health care. They tell me we got to go. We, we, we'll probably put out a, a, a video of it. But do you know that you had a Freudian slip? You called it the Investment Reduction Act, <laughs> which is, I, and which, yeah, instead of the Inflation Redu- Reduction Act, which was, it should I, that, be that I think is more, I think that's more, pro- I actually think that yeah, might no, be. No, look, look the, Joe, the evidence is, is really strong on this one. And I started laughing and, and mentioned it neat. Got all. <laughs> that's what. That's a better name. That, that's like you know, Bidenomics. It, Bidenomics is the opposite of Reagan. Sort of similar to Carternomics, which Reagan reversed. Um, let's get to the results of the better. stress test. Yeah, I'm going to check my stocks. Twitter. I'm going to check my Twitter feed. All 23 U.S. banks included passed the severe recession scenario, displaying their ability to maintain minimum capital levels and continue lending operations during a downturn. Banks are expected to disclose updated plans for buybacks and dividends tomorrow after the close of regular trading. Analysts have said that they expect banks to be conservative with their capital plans, given the risk of a hard landing for the economy and uncertainties about upcoming regulation. Speaking early this morning in Madrid, Fed Chair Jay Powell said the bank failures earlier this year underscore the need for strong capital buffers to ensure the banking system is resilient. Cheese will be next. Coming up on Squawk Pod, the busiest travel week since before the pandemic, where everyone's going for the July 4th holiday and what it means for the economy. Billy Nolan, the former FAA acting administrator, joins us next. This is good news for the economy. It says folks that pent up demand is back sort of with a vengeance, if you will. But there are still some structural issues. Travel is great, but planning for travel can be time consuming and difficult. That's where one travel comes in. With One Travel, you'll find everything you need to book the perfect trip. Flights, hotels, cars, transportation, it's all right there. With One Travel, you can book online, via app, or even pick up the phone and talk to a travel advisor ready to help you make your selections. Visit onetravel.com music or call 855-437-2154. Plan it, book it, live it. One Travel. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. You're listening to Squawk Pod. Stand by, Joe. His mic, cue. 
Good morning and welcome back to Squawk Box here on CNBC live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Joe Kernan along with Melissa Lee. Andrew and Becky are off and you can just wait around here basically sitting there oh, until later. Yeah. It's the is same that your, exact seat. That's your seat. This is my it seat. It is the same. It's the same seat. Mm-hmm. But this seat is obviously not the same because I'm here for this, which is uh, <laughs> such a big Good difference. Good thing and a bad thing, <laughs> depending yeah. on how you look at it. I agree. Switching gears now to the travel nightmare unfolding across the country. Thousands of flights have been canceled this week as we approach the July 4th holiday for a look at how airlines are handling the travel surge. Let's get to Phil LeBeau in Denver. Phil. Melissa, it is getting a little bit better, but we're already seeing some cancellations today. Nothing like we saw earlier this week, but here at Denver, generally speaking, things are moving along fairly smoothly. And I mentioned earlier this week, look at the cancellations and the delays that we saw according to FlightAware. Now, it has improved every single day. A bulk of these, a good chunk of these on the cancellation side are from United. And United has already canceled 11% of its flights today. So it is better than yesterday or the day before when it was canceling 26% of its flights. A lot of those out of Newark, but it is gradually improving. All of the airlines, they saw these lines. They know how frustrated travelers are. And this week is a crucial test because you will see more than 17 million people flying here in the United States, the most since before the pandemic for a one-week stretch. The busiest day, as you take a look at the improving numbers in terms of travelers, the busiest day will be tomorrow. That's when the TSA expects to screen more than 2.8 million passengers. And as you can see, we're almost, not quite, but we're almost back to 2019 levels. And you might be saying to yourself, does any of this matter to investors? Do they see the lines? Do they see the delays, the cancellations and say, whoa, this is not a good time for the airlines? Not at all. And just they see the opposite, guys. They see Delta raising its guidance. They expect American United Southwest. They expect all of them to raise their guidance for Q2 and give bullish outlooks for the third quarter. That's the reason, at least in terms of Delta, American and United, these stocks are at 52 week highs and we're seeing real momentum behind the airline stocks right now. So we'll be here all day. We'll monitor what the ripple effects have been from uh, all of these cancellations that we've seen primarily in the East Coast. And we're also going to be keeping an eye on that smoke that continues to drift into cities. Hopefully we don't see any of those ground stops that we saw about three or four weeks ago. Yeah, I was in that very airport, Phil, one week ago, and I spent nine hours in the airport and then had to be overnight. (laughs) Storms are storms. That was because of thunderstorms. And I'm wondering, you know, we heard so much about shortages in air traffic control, et cetera. How much can be attributed to each? Well, air traffic control shortages do play a role. Now, it's hard to know how much of a role, but clearly you don't have the same amount of staffing in New York in Miami at those facilities that you should have. In fact, the, uh, the DOT's inspector general put out a report last week, a scathing report saying they don't have the staffing that they need at these air traffic control centers. Having said that, Melissa, this week, some of these have been brought on by the airlines. United has its own issues. That's compounded what we're seeing in terms of the air traffic control situation. But there's no doubt we're not up to the level of staffing that is needed in this country. It's going to take some time to get there. Phil, thank you. Phil LeBeau in Denver. Join us now uh, with more on the recent U.S. uh, air traffic disruptions and how the FAA is handling them. Billy Nolan, former acting FAA administrator and currently the chief safety officer for Archer uh, Aviation. So if you break it down, uh, Billy, for uh, just weather versus maybe some uh, equipment challenges, I know that there's some 
uh, some things happening with uh, retrofitting for, for certain Boeing jets. So what, what's, is it 50-50? What, what's really happening? It's been a rough week. Yeah, it has been a rough week. Let me just say a couple of things. I'm coming to you this morning from Cancun, and, and similar to Melissa's story, I was at the airport. The traffic, uh, to Phil's point, is back with a vengeance. I think there's a couple of things in play for us to think about. Number one, uh, you know, air, airlines mostly have met their retrofit for the 5G or the 5G C-band uh, potential disruptions. Uh, we gave the FAA gave the airlines till July 1st to be fully retrofitted. So there's still a few of those out there, Delta in particular, that are still working to get through their retrofit. I know others have said they will meet that deadline. A few international airlines. Secondly, to the point around air traffic controllers, we're still seeing there's still some shortages there in New York. And I think one of the ways to address that is for the airlines to work with the FAA in terms of moving some of that airspace. That will clear up a little bit of the congestion in New York. If you look at the past four days at United Airlines, they're running anywhere from double to triple the number of delays of the other airlines. So, you know, some of that might be scheduling issues. And, you know, I was just sort of pointing back to United. And lastly, what I would say is that you look out there, there's also a bit of the mixed equipage. What does that mean? That means that that an airline has the kind of equipment on board that can take advantage of what we call next generation technology. Most of the mainline fleets are equipped with that. Some of the regionals are not. So you can sort of put that all together. Uh, overall, it's an improving picture, but there's still more work to be done. We had a three-day weekend, and uh, on that Thursday, or Friday, one of those days, it was going to be the busiest day since prior to the pandemic, even, even setting a record from prior to the pandemic. Yes. So it, it's just simple pent-up demand uh, going into the summer, too, I, I guess. It, it, it really is. You know, having been a you know, long-time airline captain myself, I can tell you, you look at the numbers, and as, as Phil pointed out, 2.82 million on this coming Friday. Those are just the kind of numbers that we haven't seen since 2019. And so the thing I would say to the fine public, you know, you obviously want to give yourself adequate time to get there early, uh, you know, to avoid the lines are just going to be what they are. And so that level of preparations as we see move into this busy, you know, post-pandemic 4th of July weekend is something for us all to keep in mind. Mind-boggling how, how incredibly good it, it actually is that we just 52,000 flights landing right. taking off taxiing um that it ever works perfectly is, is, is kind of a shock uh billy so maybe we shouldn't uh, complain too much because it's you know it try driving you see what kind of spaces that you're talking about it's 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 a phenomenal thing that that the industry does day in and day out what about staffing billy there, there was a time where hotels or, or restaurants, they could only operate at 60 or 70 percent just because they couldn't get enough people. I mean, you do need flight attendants. You do need pilots. You need uh, maintenance guys. Are we, are we flush there or, or are there pockets of problems there as well? Yeah, during my time, you know, as I said in the administrator's chair, there were times last year when we saw that, that some airlines were working at maximum capacity. And I would say some of the things uh, for the FA as well, you know, so coming out of the backside of pandemic, getting back to a regular cadence, meaning that you've got adequate staffing for your pilots, adequate staffing for your flight attendants and cabin crews and airport staff and certainly the ground staff. It all has to come together and work well. I will say, uh, Joe, to your point, on any given day, there's roughly 45 to 50,000 commercial flights operating. 
And we're talking about nearly a billion employments a year. That's just a lot of folks traveling. And for it to all for that system to work, it means that you know there is that level of uh, of work that has to come together between the industry, between the FAA and the DOT. I will say you saw some of the, the things that we put in place during my time, and they continue to help the flying public. Is there are new routes coming out of uh, off the East Coast that help alleviate some of the congestion? There's been a better coordination around space launches. There's better coordination with military around restricted airspace. So we're, you, you know, this is good news for the economy. It says, folks, that pent up demand is back sort of with a vengeance, if you will. But there are still some structural issues like getting more controllers through the pipeline and getting, and getting that done quicker that the FAA needs to address. And also that continued collaboration and cooperation between the FAA and the industry at, at, at writ large. We know about how much money we owe as a country, so that you know, it, it, we're constantly trying to, to tighten our belt, and, and I'm sure that the FAA wishes it had a lot more money. The state of the art of, of the systems that the FAA is using, if, if you were, if you could spend, if you believed in MMT, so you could print as much money as you wanted, how much would you, what would you like to do? How much do we really need to do to be state of the art for, for the, what some people would call the greatest country in the world? Yeah, a couple of things I'd offer up. Number one, let's just find a better way. It takes on average, you know, as a, as a commercial airline pilot, retired airline captain, right? It took me, it takes an airline pilot or, or an airline about six to nine months, maybe a year, depending on the, the complexity of the flying, to get a, a pilot from the time he or she reports to an airline so they're out the door flying the public in a, in a good way. It's taking the FAA about two to three years to get what we call a fully certified air traffic controller. So I'd like to see you know, more investment there. That ability to kind of leverage AI. You know, the FAA does a, a very good job for the system that they have, which is just thousands of systems, many of which are legacy. And when I say legacy, some of this stuff is 20 to 30 years old and it is in need of updating. So that those consistent level of funding and ensuring that, you know, Congress gives the FAA the, the necessary funds and tools it needs to, to, to your point, to have the best airspace in the world. But this is really should be not an aspirational goal. It really should be what we sort of demand. Billy, would you be okay if I took like 40,000 of those IRS guys, the new guys, and instead of 80, can I take 40 and then put the other 40, uh, do the FAA stuff? Am I, am I wrong that that might be a good idea or no? I... I won't. I won't opine on that. <laughs> but, I, I didn't expect I, you to. I didn't expect you. that was that was me thinking out loud, which uh, I try not to do. Uh, but but sometimes it it, it happens. I, I think of all right. the things we spend money. On, I I definitely don't want to cut back here. You know. Yes, it is one you think about. You know, I will, I'll I'll just put in a plug for for the company I work for, Farger. You know, part of what we're trying to do with electric air taxis. How do we? How do we de-risk? How do we decongest? You mentioned road traffic. I mean, the, the road traffic is back with the vengeance as well. So this is a, a space that will continually evolve. And this is truly the role that Archer and other aviation and electric air taxes can play a role in. But overarchingly, and really as a nation, we want to make sure that we've got the best national aerospace ecosystem in the world. And that means having that level of funding having that strong cooperation collaboration with the industry and, and with the FAA and really each, holding each other to a high degree of accountability. So to make sure we get this right, this is really what, you know, the public should have a right to expect. Very good. All right, Billy Nolan, uh, thank you. And you, you know what, you, uh, a pilot's perspective, can, 
anything else, anyone who hasn't done that, I don't, I don't think they really uh, can, can uh, talk as uh, intelligently about things. But we appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you very much, Joe. Appreciate it. Coming up, celebrating Pride Month, how companies can be allies and what they stand to lose when they're not. Glad CEO Sarah Kate Ellis. If you look at LGBTQ folks, our community and our allies talk with our dollars. And we don't want to be in the way of or supporting a company who didn't support us when the going got tough. Squawk Pod will be right back. The most exciting part of a vacation stay at a home rental? Easy. It's being greeted upon arrival with a rusted lockbox affixed to the underside of a stranger's condo. Yeah, you simply twist knobs, click gears, jiggle it, and then rip it off its moorings, and voila! Your prize is a key to a questionable home rental and maybe tetanus. When you just want to get your vacation started by actually getting into your room, it matters where you stay. At Hilton, we deliver your key right to your phone on the Hilton Honors app. Hilton for the stay. Welcome back to Squawk Pod. June is Pride Month, celebrating the contributions of the LGBTQ plus community. And this year, several corporate brands have been hit with controversy and protests against businesses for their inclusion of LGBTQ plus themed merchandise or marketing campaigns. Now, companies have tried to strike a balance between expressing values and risking backlash. Boycotts have affected Anheuser-Busch InBev's Bud Light, Target and Disney, as well as market share losses, executive shakeups and even threats to employees. Corporate crisis management expert Eric Desenhall told us this just last month. One of the things it's important to understand about these companies is they are very sensitive. They want everyone to love them. But now they're in the politics business where you don't get everybody. You often just get 50 percent. Sarah Kate Ellis, the CEO of advocacy group GLAAD, joined Squawk Box recently. She spoke to Andrew Ross Sorkin and Becky Quick. Here's Andrew. Joining us right now is Sarah Kate Ellis, a GLAAD CEO. Good morning to you. And uh, we're glad to see you this morning. But there's there's so much to talk about because there really is a remarkable backlash taking place in this country. Um, And we've seen it with Budweiser probably being uh, the most prominent. I'm so curious how you've been thinking about that and, and what you think is really happening here. Well, good morning and thank you for having me. Um, You know, I think we need to reframe this, and I think the headlines got away from us on this one, which is that companies that did back down to bullies actually saw this escalate. But those companies, there are hundreds of companies that are still running pride campaigns, and there are many companies that stood up to these extremist bullies and actually didn't see any problems because they didn't back down. And I think we're talking about companies like North Face, Nike, Walmart, I mean, Crackerback, Cracker Barrel, NASCAR, the Sesame Street, who saw these bullies and extremists coming for them and stood their ground. Uh, because what we so do you think, so you so you think yeah. the problem is that Budweiser stepped away. You think the problem and you think the problem was that 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 Target sort of backed down. That was, that was the issue. Yeah, you might as well be on the schoolyard. As soon as a bully comes to you and threatens you, if you back down, you give them more room. If you stand your ground and say, you're not going to threaten me, you're not going to bully me. These are our values. These are the values that we stand with. Then you go someplace else. Then that changes the game. And we've seen it with the corporations. It's absolutely from them backing down. If you give in to extremists and these folks, look, 
these folks used images of violence and threats of violence against these um, folks. And they were. But what do you say? I mean, look, if you're working at Budweiser and Bud Light specifically, and you look at that business down 26.8 percent, that's the sales figure that dropped in the aftermath of, of, of their campaign. And, and, and we could debate whether the campaign was a good campaign or a bad campaign, but you, you, you're saying that you think that drop was a function of them walking away or, or stepping back? Absolutely. If you look at LGBTQ folks, our community and our allies talk with our dollars. And we don't want to be in the way of a, or supporting a company who didn't support us when the going got tough. Oh, so hold um, on. So you think that the sales dropped because people in the LGBT community effectively were boycotting Bud Light. Absolutely. And I think we'll see the same with Target. I can't tell you how many people say to me as allies, should I, I'm not going, I'm not drinking Bud Light anymore. LGBTQ bars have stopped serving it. So you didn't stand with us. And when you look at these extremists and these folks that are riling it up online and social, it is a very small minority of people. They don't have the same buying power. I mean, it's math. Honestly, so we are going into the market to test it and see where the loss is coming to confirm this theory. But if you look at it in just dollars and cents, if 74% of Americans say that they believe companies should have pride campaign, pride merchandise, and we're twice as likely to shop from them, the, the numbers aren't waiting out. So I think they're taking credit, the extremists, for the drop in sales when I think it's actually the other way around. Hey, Sarah-Kate, just on the Target front, when they first moved some of the merchandise, they said they were concerned because their employees, their employees in the stores were being harassed, intimidated, and they had real concerns about their safety. Safety is a real concern. Uh, You know, when I was on some meetings with them, I said, welcome to being LGBTQ in America today. We're all concerned for our safety right now with these extremists. And I think we just saw the Biden um, administration up the level of FBI involvement for the LGBTQ community and Homeland Security. Now, I remember that they were being threatened, too, during when mask wearing was uh, mandatory and there was a lot of violence threatened against these folks. They didn't back down. What they did was they increased security. And they increase the way that they handled this and they train their folks on the ground. So I think that there were other ways that they could have managed this that would have been much more pro- proactive. Sarah Kate, have you spoken uh, with the targets and, and, and the folks at Bud Light and others about this? And w- what is the reaction that you've been getting when you make the case that you just made to our audience about what's happening here? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, my feeling is, is that they made split decisions and um, they they moved they weren't seeing the culture that we were living in, right? Like we have been seeing this as a community. At GLAD, we've tracked over 160 attacks or threats of violence at LGBTQ events in less than a year. So we know the culture that we're living in. I don't think these folks knew and they moved quickly without thinking it all through. Um, And they gave in to bullies at the end of the day. And when you give in to bullies, you But I don't see them, I guess what I'm saying is uh, you've not succeeded uh, sort of turning them around. I I don't see them sort of saying we made a mistake. In fact, most of them seem to say that this was a lesson to them not to step into political controversy. 
And what I think, at least I keep hearing privately from CEOs is they say, look at just what happened over there. In this instance, we have to be a lot more careful than we used to be about what we support, how we support, and what we do. And, and I, I'm very curious what you think the lesson and message of that ultimately will be. I want to say two things here. One is um, me and my life are not political. They've been politicized by politicians. So I do think we have to be really careful about that. And I do try and educate CEOs about that because they're taking the bait, honestly, that it's political to be LGBTQ in America when it's really not. I think, yes, there has been a chilling effect. That's why we were very quickly able to get all these folks to sign on to um, this letter. I will say, though, the future is changing. And if you want to pro if you want employees who want to work at your companies and consumers who want to buy your product, you need to be inclusive. It's just a matter of fact, in, and it's all in the numbers. The Gallup poll recently said 20% of Gen Z are LGBTQ. So you're not going to market to that community at all and ignore them. And our allies are very loyal as well. So I think that, yes, it's had a chilling effect. I don't disagree with you. However, I do think that the real winners here are those that stood up and those who are sitting under their desk or hiding under their desk. There's going to be a price to pay for that. Sarah Kate, uh, we appreciate you joining us this morning. Uh, it's an important issue and uh, one that we'll keep following. Thank you. That's Squawk Pod for today. Thank you, as always, for listening. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern every day and follow Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. We'll meet you right back here tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys. The most exciting part of a vacation stay at a home rental? Easy. It's being greeted upon arrival with a rusted lockbox affixed to the underside of a stranger's condo. Yeah, you simply twist knobs, click gears, jiggle it, and then rip it off its moorings, and voila! Your prize is a key to a questionable home rental and maybe tetanus. When you just want to get your vacation started by actually getting into your room, it matters where you stay. At Hilton, we deliver your key right to your phone on the Hilton Honors app. Hilton for the stay.